Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where apparently Scott has some chocolate balls. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Have you seen <laughs> those balls? They're big and they're salty time. and brown. Game- Wait, hold on. What are, we, what are you guys even going? Okay, so we're talking about chocolate, lint chocolate balls. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And, and their wife and I, my wife and I, have an agreement in our house where you know, I mean, if we have a certain food that we love, you know, we don't necessarily need to talk to each other about it. Those you just red lobster, it. Lo- yeah, those red lobster rolls, which are so amazing and buttery. She doesn't need to tell me when she makes them. She'll actually hide them in the oven, and I might find out about them when there's, like, two left. I don't blame her because I bring home the lint chocolate balls, and let me tell you, those are my balls, and I'm going to hide them. I'm going to eat them when I want to. They're delicious. Can I just say about the lint chocolate balls, mm-hmm. um, is it bad that I like the white chocolate ones more than I like the milk or the dark chocolate? No, as long as you marry somebody who actually loves the dark chocolate because that's then you a have true idea. balance. Yeah. Oh, that's a good yin and yang. I like that. I yeah. hate the dark chocolate. See, are we talking? I'm not, I'm not a fan of chocolate. So now I've heard once you eat the dark chocolate, you can't go back to the white chocolate. No, 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 no. There is, yeah. in all fairness, there is an extreme dark chocolate now. So what? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like it's instead of the blue wrapper, it's the black wrapper, Whoa. which is super intense. See, and, I was worried that would be licorice if it's black. Oh right? no, 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 no! I hate licorice. Can't I was about to say, wow. can't stand licorice. Oh yeah, Things but that you, you learn. Uh, and so, it's anyways, incredible. folks, uh, we're going to be talking about the latest book. Uh, put out by Star Wars, which is titled Ahsoka. Ahsoka! So for those of you that don't know what this book is, uh, basically a, yeah, Ahsoka Tano, uh, the Padawan to Anakin Skywalker, which in Clone Wars we witness in Season 5 uh, some crazy stuff happens with her. She's accused that of, season of five? murder. That That's four? Season 5. Oh, jeez. I just watched it like two weeks ago. I want to rewatch um, it after reading this but, book. Uh, she gets framed for murder. The Jedi Order doesn't believe her, even Anakin questions, and as everything comes to a conclusion, you know, she's found innocent, and it's another Jedi that perpetrated it, um, which Anakin is the one that discovers that. And Spoilers! She walks away from the Jedi Order, even, even after they're, they're like, we welcome you back, you know, and she's like, I mean, she's so torn up over this, she's like, no. I mean, it's classic Lucasfilm, right? You got to get everybody in their starting positions for the next movie. Yeah, doesn't matter if doesn't matter if it's ten, twenty, thirty years between movies. You got to get everybody in their positions. Yeah. Right? Well, but at the same time, you watch this episode and it, the the Ahsoka being tried, the entire mm-hmm. it's it's because it's two or three episodes, right? It, it, yeah, it's it, it's one of my it's favorite like story three episode, arcs. Uh, it's a three episode arc. Not only that, we get to see Grandma. Well, Tarkin before he becomes Grandma, mm-hmm. he is really 
like enforcing oh, yeah. the law here, and yep. he's uh, you know because some clones were killed in this bombing that she's been framed for, and he's like, this is not a Jedi matter. This is yeah. a Republic matter, and and he just like goes after it fully, and you actually start to see the Tarkin that we know that we see in Episode Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only that, it really does set the stage um, because. That was one of my biggest questions when you know I started watching Clone Wars and find out that Anakin has a Padawan. It's like, what? H- yeah, exactly. How is it possible? See, they're going to have to kill her. They're and, going yeah, to have to kill a little, her. At some uh, point, yeah. right? A little insider information. It is my understanding. So I so I was talking with uh, um, Matt Martin at Salt Lake Comic Con, and it was really interesting because he was telling me about essentially how that meeting went. Uh, George kind of came in and said, "Yeah." Uh, and it was and it was before uh, it was in like 2006 or seven, right? It, pre-production for mm-hmm. uh, the Clone Wars film, and it was funny because apparently George just kind of came in and said, "Yeah, Anakin's got an apprentice," and they all kind of said, "You didn't mention this before we made the prequels," <laughs> but you know, it is what it is, right? And so it's it's interesting how Ahsoka, who seems you know on paper almost shoehorned in in some ways how she's kind of been worked into this time frame between episodes two and three and she's become this hugely momentous character extremely important and extremely i mean well developed um a fan favorite you know i I mean just extremely important yes that too scott thank you scott's making gestures to me um across the table um she's an amazing character i'm not gonna lie though seeing her in the pilot of rebels or not Rebels, of uh, Clone Wars, I didn't like her. I didn't like her one bit. Yeah, I thought I she was either. You could feel that she was being shoehorned in. You could feel that just, we need a character. Bam, here she is. And it, I, she wasn't believable. She wasn't lovable. Well, and that, that definitely was the problem, is when they put her in, she was shoehorned. I mean, that's a perfect example of what really happened here. But at the same time, they took Clone Wars, I, at least in my mind, was a beautiful way to create a story arc, an overall arc for that character. But yeah. not, oh, not yeah. only that, well, I loved her. The, the, her arc, I mean, she, you know, by season two, three, she becomes a really solid character where I was like, okay, I, I'm starting to like this character. Oh, yeah, and but, I do yeah. have to put that out there. Yeah. I love her now. Like, yeah. she's my favorite character in the in you know, the But Clone in the Wars. beginning, it was like, what in the world are they doing? But the, it was, you know, when it, her whole arc comes together and, you know, and she is pretty much, uh, you know, she's framed for these murders and all this. It's just like, this is all Palpatine. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's seen how close him, uh, Anakin, and her have become, and it, you know they're like brother and sister, really. You know, and that's how Anakin kind of sees her, is you know, and he calls her Snips. It's kind of like a, a fond little nickname for his little sister, and he knows he has to get I really rid of. Really liked the nickname. I'll be perfectly honest. Well, that's okay, but, but he, it doesn't matter. He needs to get rid. Of, you know, Palpatine knows he needs to get rid of Obi Wan, and he needs to get rid of Ahsoka. That's the only way he's going to fully be able to pull Anakin towards him. So the framing job that's done uh, on Ahsoka to have her killed was beautiful. Now, it didn't work out, but it still worked out to his advantage because she mm-hmm. leaves the Jedi Order, which compl- which I think put a bigger wedge between Anakin and the, the, the Jedi Order than it could have from her death, to oh, be I honest. And, and, and here's the thing about Clone Wars in general and Ahsoka specifically. It becomes its own animal. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is, is it starts out as a as a as sort of filler extended universe content between episodes two and three. And then it be, sort of becomes its own animal. And Ahsoka, I think, kind of epitomizes that. Mm-hmm. if That's the right word. 
And I think uh, for me, I really started to like Ahsoka um, uh, when it was the episode when they go to uh, meet the Celestials. Okay. Um, and that for me was when I was really like – that's when I sort of realized, wow, I really do like Ahsoka. She's really developed and she become more, she's become more adult, more mm-hmm. mature. You know, and, and to be fair, uh, part of that too was the writers had hit their stride. The animations mm-hmm. were better by then. Um, and, and so – I think that's, you know, I don't know. It's just it's it's interesting how she's developed into her own, sort of her own story. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. agree. And then it was really nice to see them kind of bring her back in Rebels. I mean, yeah. I I was a little bothered by that. I'll be honest. <laughs> Partially, okay. So there's a couple of things. So so I fondly call Star Wars Rebels season one, Clone Wars season uh, eight. Okay. Um, and and so I the reason I do that is because I sort of tongue in cheek was always just kind of like oh boy it's because Clone Wars was so good they want to bring it back right mm-hmm. but they can't technically bring it back because it's Cartoon Network yeah so they've got to rebrand it repackage it and so having her um, in the show at first when I first found out she was Fulcrum mm-hmm. I was really mad about it because I thought Fulcrum was Bail Organa and I thought that would be a really cool way to tie in Leia and and Bail. Mm-hmm into the rebellion, right? If, if they were trying to pull the strings between the Imperial Senate and the rebellion. Yeah. And when I find out it's Ahsoka, I was kind of like, you jerk, you left uh, you left uh, Kanan out to, you know, you hung, you hung him to dry, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have he could have used a little support when he was like, what, eight, ten? When, when well, Empire... she didn't know. She had no clue. Yeah, she didn't. I mean, and then, Whatever. And this is what's really great about this she book. She looks for him in this book. Is the book is actually that story arc of what happens between, between when she leaves and when she shows up in Rebels. And you're right. She does she does go look for him in, mm-hmm. in the book. So well, she looks for any Jedi because yeah. they're all connected you know, by through the Force. Yeah. yeah. But whenever she meditates – and uh, sorry. I, no, go ahead. Okay. But that's one of the things that they explore in this book is her coming to grips with basically losing her religion and kind of losing herself – and trying to figure out who she is in the universe because she still loves the Force. She still uh, loves the people in her life that, as far as she knows, she's dead. But every single time she reaches out to the Force, all she feels is pain, suffering, darkness, and emptiness uh, based on what she experienced. She kind of has closed herself off. And the fact that instead of being thousands of Jedi in the universe, now when she reaches out, she feels only emptiness. Yeah, that yeah. makes so much sense because, I mean, again... When, when something dramatic like Order 66 happens, we know from Episode 4, the Jedi can feel that, right? Yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan, you know, him him feeling Alderaan being destroyed, right? And can you imagine the emptiness and the loneliness he had to feel on Tatooine? I mean, well, well, well she, all my friends are dead. Time to live in a desert. Like. Well, there's also a really cool article that came out uh, that I was reading. And it's because there was a key scene that was supposed to be in Jedi that was left out. Um, and I was reading about this. Um they they never shot it, from my understanding, but you know you, you go through the movie and you see how Obi Wan says all these things. It's kind of conflicting, and it makes it sound like you know Obi Wan's kind of a jerk when it comes to talking about Anakin or anything like that. But you you get to there's the scene that was supposed to be done when Luke's there in, in Jedi talking to Yoda as he's passing away. Is he's like he ba- Yoda basically uh, tells Luke to forgive Obi Wan because he forced Obi-Wan not to reveal the truth about Anakin. And and apparently Obi-Wan wanted to. Wow. And so there is this Jeez. it was Yoda and him kind of going back and forth saying, you know, kind of like we need to tell him. And Yoda's like, "No," because he didn't believe that Luke could face Vader knowing that knowledge. 
Um, well, and I mean, that kind of that kind of changes the whole dynamic of Obi Wan, where he you know because it seemed like you know just because of the way they phrased everything that it was like he was lying through his teeth about yeah. about Vader. And to be fair, they do sort of explain that to a certain extent in Jedi. Yeah, because. Luke essentially comes to it and says, "Why didn't you tell me?" And Henny kind of says, "Because I didn't want you to do that to have mm-hmm. to to have to yeah. confront him, knowing what you know. Yeah. Unfortunate this is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That you yeah. rushed. But I, I really wish they would yeah, have having that, that explanation for Obi Wan. Then yeah. it would it would have changed. The, I mean, because I mean, you see Obi Wan at the end of three after he's just defeated Anakin, and you can see the pain that he's in, and just to be able to. See, you know, and then you see the older Obi Wan, and he's like, "That guy's a jerk a little bit." You know, you don't see that passion or anything. And I'm sure we'll see more uh, if we get some Obi Wan movies and uh, and stuff like that. And but again, keep in mind, 1977, yeah, I know. 2005, I, right? Well, I, you know. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, d- I definitely know that, but um, it really adds a new dynamic oh, to absolutely. that character. Oh yeah. Well, that's why. I mean, I've been hoping for a Kenobi anthology mm-hmm. film for a long time. Because you do you remember there were a couple of books. Well, there's, I mean, there's one where he goes against Darth Maul on Tatooine. Yeah. I mean, um, are, are those the same ones where it's like right after Order 66, he's taken Luke in, Luke is like one and like just starting to walk, and then Obi-Wan has to like leave Tatooine because he thinks there's other Jedi alive, and he starts to kind of look for him a little bit. Do you any of you remember this book? I do remember that. Is this that. a comic book that you're talking about? No, 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 no. no it's, it's like a couple novel. of novels. Oh. I can't remember yeah, part the titles, but I do remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's Might actually, called Kenobi. There is a lot of stuff that happens during that, that time period oh, yeah. with Obi-Wan. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole story, and I can't remember what it's in, but like Luke wanders off, and he's actually, Obi-Wan's actually fighting off yeah. the Sand People and that, keeping him away from yeah. Luke. Cause, well, that's, yeah. Um, so there is a lot, and I, I would love to see an anthology for that. Well, because that's also in the new Marvel comics that actually yeah. talks about yeah. that yeah. and shows that. So, By I mean, way, that, is still, that is now yeah. canon. My, my favorite picture that I've ever seen, it was at, it was at a, a comic convention, and, and there was an art gallery, and one of it was a really, really big painted portrait of Obi-Wan putting his lightsaber away. There's a couple of dead sand people at his feet, and he's in Beggar's Canyon, and there's T-16 Skyhoppers flying. So it looks like he's been following Luke and, like, killing off the sniper, like, the Sand People snipers to protect him. And, like, I just, I love that. So the idea that, like, hmm. he's, I like, like Luke's guardian angel on Tatooine makes sense when you consider, I mean, it's dangerous being a moisture farmer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gotta get that water. So I'm actually reading some here. So there's an event that happens in the book. Um, and we were kind of talking about it, but I, I guess I'm even wrong here. So it's what it's in the last weeks of the Clone Wars, uh, approximately a year after she left. So this would have been around in season six, roughly. Um, Ahsoka discovered the whereabouts of the former Sith Lord Maul, uh, who had taken over the Mandalore and gained leadership of Death Watch. So uh, I guess shortly before establishing the siege of Mandalore, Anakin and Obi Wan were called back to Coruscant to save Chancellor Palpatine. So, um, so. That's the, the wonderful thing is it still kind of weaves in a little bit within Clone Wars, mm-hmm. goes through the time where we don't see anything because we haven't seen anything, and then she shows up, and then it kind of leads up into where she shows up as Fulcrum. Um, one of the really cool things that I like about the novel that they explain is the, the Kuiper Crystals and why oh, yeah. the Sith yeah. Lords have red Which, blades. again, interesting because it's so – you know, that's the one thing I think is so interesting is the lore of the lightsaber is so – 
diverse uh-huh. between legends and canon. And to be fair, third sources, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I just think this is fascinating. But that's that's what I love about it is that it really ties it back to that spiritual aspect yeah. instead of just being a laser glowing sword. Well, yeah. Which I always assume growing up, it's just, oh, it's their weapon, you know? Yeah. Well, and honestly, I've always liked going back to that idea that the weapon doesn't make the Jedi, the Jedi makes the weapon, mm-hmm. right? And so and so let me preface this with a little history of, of the kyber crystals. So, um, first of all, it started with the first novel for Star Wars ever made was 1978. It was called... Uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yeah. And it was Leia and Luke going after a giant kyber crystal. And they called it the kyber crystal. Yes. um, Implying it was the only one. Um, And Darth Vader essentially comes and Luke, Obi-Wan essentially like possesses Luke through the kyber crystal to fight off Darth Vader. Um, And it's pretty bizarre. And actually George Lucas wanted them to kill off Darth Vader in that book because he thought he was a weak villain. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, thank goodness that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. and well, so, now, is so that's that, is that book still canon then? No, it's no, it's, 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 it's legends. It's legends. Oh, it's hard legends. <laughs> it's, um, but uh, it's uh, it's interesting. And so, ever since then, it's you know we've had this evolution of the caves of Elum and mm-hmm. and Jedi. You know, masters taking their padawans to go and find the crystal that belongs to them. Right. We actually see that planet again. Yeah. In this yeah. Book without giving yeah. too many spoilers. Yeah. So it's kind of. And and then we've also got some interesting history with Luke's green lightsaber. It, it used to be in legends. There was, there was an impl- there was a very strong implication that it was Qui-Gon's crystal from his lightsaber and that Obi-Wan had kept the lightsaber and that the lightsaber parts were sort of broken, but the crystal was still good. And that was the crystal that Luke used in his green lightsaber mm. Now in canon, uh, Luke makes that crystal from an oven. It's synthetic. That's another interesting thing is is in Legends, um, all of the crystals that the Jedi use are natural. Yeah. And all the Sith crystals are synthetic red crystals. And it's because that they can't use regular kyber crystals that are connected to the Force. Yeah. That they have to make their own, right, that are dark side crystals. And that's why they always come out red. Yeah. Um, now, but however... Now, now it's yeah. changed because, uh, you know... As it's been said, you know, the crystal picks its wielder. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw that with, with Ezra mm-hmm. when he was in the temple and it came floating down. Um, we also see that in the Caves of Elum and yeah. the Clone Wars. Yeah. But the uh, so the they Jedi. explain that, you know, the, so the Kyber crystal is light side energy and it picks its wielder, but it, it can't pick a Sith. And so the Sith or a Dark, uh, dark Lord or dark side user has to bend the crystal to its will thus making the crystal bleed and that's what gives it the red light the the red energy which i really like um you know when i was reading this like oh my gosh this now is awesome it makes sense (laughs) this is really cool because you know thinking on kylo ren and his his blade you know they said that his crystal is cracked and that's why it has the vent ports and that's why it wobbles so much Mm -hmm. It's because it's so unstable which perfectly matches the character's demeanor in the movie Mm -hmm. but then it's like no wonder it cracked he forced his will on it so hard wanting this to happen that he cracked the crystal and so it makes sense now there are two things that I do want to say to that number one when you first told me about this before I had finished Uh the book I thought this whole book was about that. Oh, so, no, no, no. It's so just a it's, small part. It's, it's two little, like, mentions. So yeah. <laughs> pretty much what we've yeah. talked about now is more than what you'll get out of yeah. the book. But yeah. it is interesting. But the second part is I really, really wish that they would have implemented that in Revenge of the Sith. No, I agree. But it, again, would have been, but it would have been hard, right? It would I mean, have been hard. When you're, when you're kind of pressed for time and you're yeah. – I mean, it's hard to – you know, that's the one thing is everyone talks about the prequels like, oh, they were so good at world building. And it's hard to be world building – 
and have and a story at the same yes, time. it is. And I think that's why, you know, I hate to be all like, Lord of the Rings is awesome. But Lord of the Rings is awesome because it combines world building with the mm-hmm. story. And even then, it's really dense and hard to get through. It is. Yeah. And so, it's difficult. Now, I will say, I like this idea of the crystals bleeding because that is sort of in line with some interpretations of the legends of the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And it's the idea that you need, you know, to create such miracles, you essentially need the blood of men to create it and the life force, you know, to, you know, to create it. And so it's this idea of, oh, then then it becomes red, right? The Philosopher's Stone is red because of the blood, right? Mm. So I do, I am liking this idea now um, that they're in, including in, uh, in the canon. Um, and again, it, it syncs up perfectly with what we've seen in Force Awakens. Now that said, I still really like the idea of, I mean, Han Solo used the, the graphics uh, saber, you know, Finn was able to use it, you know, mm. easily. And so I still, I, I like the, you know, I, I don't want to get too held up with, you know, this sort of Juan chooses the wizard-esque, you know, kyber crystal chooses the Jedi. Well, it's not like everything has a safety that only the one person Exactly, can use yeah. And so, I, and so I, I, I'm okay with that to an extent. I think the Force guides Jedi and crystals together, right? Mm. Because they are connected in the Force. And so I think this idea of, the Force knows that you need a lightsaber because that is the weapon of a Jedi. And so the crystal that is connected to the Force, you are guided to that crystal, and that's your crystal, right? Yeah, right. Um, but again, I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. No, I, and again, kind of to go with that is, you know, it is a weapon. Anyone can pick it up and use it. That's why Finn was able to use it. That's why we saw, we've seen Solo use it and so on and so forth. But I think the, uh, only an individual that can attune themselves or connect with that crystal can masterfully use that weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, because again, we can I can pick up a sword and try to fight you and yeah, I am sword fighting, but it may not be that amazing. Well, you know, and I, and I think but I attribute that more to to training, right? I mean, I mean Darth Maul is able to use the dark saber to terrible effect. That's not his lightsaber. Well, and what about building it? I mean, cuz even in Clone Wars it's kind of implied that the Jedi just learn it, and I always assumed that was kind of tied to the crystal, but that's how, the crystal could train them how to build that weapon. Yeah. And I think the master course. too. I think it's a combination. I of think a it lot is a combination. I think you know once you have that that crystal, it opens you up in a way that the force can now manipulate you more. Yeah. And 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 train you in its in itself. I mean, there's still so many different things and so many aspects we that we don't know. Yeah. They, they may change. They may add. Yeah. But it's it's really cool when they're able to take things like this and make it so uh, that it's more entertaining and, and yeah and, and little little windows right yeah. I mean yeah. that's why yeah. I love the story of Luke's second lightsaber so much is because there's a lot of different sort of there, there's a lot of different ways that's been told right in Shadows of the Empire we get a glimpse of it we get a glimpse of it in the deleted scenes from Return of the Jedi and essentially it's my understanding that the canon of it now is that Luke found what are essentially some very, very basic schematics in Obi-Wan's hut of yeah. kind of a lightsaber's innards, right? Yeah. So he bases his off of Obi-Wan's, and he spends months toiling over every little detail to make it just just right, just perfect. And then he spends a long time making the perfect synthetic kyber yeah. crystal. So that's actually canon, then? He makes the crystal synthetic? I believe that's canon. I don't know if that's canon or not anymore. Because Qui-Gon's because Qui-Gon's crystal is not canon anymore. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, it is canon. There are synthetic crystals, so more than likely that is canon. That's what I've heard. Mm -hmm. I don't remember where it's from, but but I 
I on I believe on Wikipedia it says yeah. it's canon, and they're usually mm-hmm. pretty good about this. But the, I mean, this is the cool thing about Star Wars is there's all they they always come up with a great reason, solid reason, and it's enjoyable. Uh, the Ahsoka character is great and entertaining, and I have no clue what people are staring at at this moment. But anyways. I really like how they've been able to introduce and bring the character back full circle. Hello. Uh, so, if you haven't read the book, go ahead and read it. It is in hardback. You can get it in, uh, you know, you can get an ebook for it. You can get it on audiobook, which, which I didn't know. Scott didn't know. And, <laughs> I read uh, it in hardback because that's that's the way to read it. I listened to it in that's audiobook. That's true. But at the same time, it has a beautiful cover. It really does. It really does. It's it's a beautiful looking book. I love that. Um, personal like personal opinion like i think that the book really really starts about a third the way in um i'll give it that the first third is rough oh it's it's, slow it really is Um, it's like those character building episodes of the tv shows that you're just like oh no we're having no action it's all character building no (laughs) next you know where's that youngling episode that, that (laughs) that is why i listened to it on double speed Mm um you know because it moved really quickly through it but it was just like oh my gosh when am i going to get to the action when am i well it's not just even the action it's actually when am i going and i feel like like the author did a great job of the book but at the same time i feel like he was trying to find out who ahsoka was as she was and he was kind of using that as a cloak for his writing and so in that i didn't feel necessarily that it was ahsoka lost trying Mm -hmm. to find herself i felt like it was uh, the, author. the author trying to find her, and that took me out of the book because mm-hmm. I I'm I'm not saying I'm in love with Ahsoka, but I'm in love with the character, yeah. um, and I feel close to her just by watching the series because I feel like she was introduced to a children's show as a child Jedi, yeah. and she's the one who the kids related with yeah. the most, yeah. being under the tutelage of all the other Jedi, being close to them, and so that's who I actually related to as well, and so I, I feel like he got close. And there are chapters when I'm like, yes, that's yeah. the character. You nailed it on the head. And now I'm feeling like I'm part of her adventure. I'm part of her psyche. I understand the pain that she's going through. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, those chapters were I, I think you have a valid point. Later. I mean, the, those first few chapters, he was probably trying to find that character. Um, and that makes sense. Because, you know, you feel like it's written like, oh, she doesn't know who she is. But now that I look at it and kind of listen to it... Um, I can see your point there. No, I'm not saying he's a bad writer. No, because he does get it. He does find her. It's a great book, but those first chapters, I can see that. I can see where the it's the author really trying to find the character, but hidden under the guise of the character trying to find herself. So yeah, but again, once you get past that, oh yeah, it's like it shifts into third gear and then you start moving. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So vroom vroom. It feels like a Star Wars movie or Star Wars novel. It's great. And yeah. it, it's a it's a fun ride. All right. So for those of you out there that haven't read it, go ahead, pick it up. Uh, for those of you that have read it and want to give us your thoughts, feel free. Uh, throw it on the post. Uh, email us dentalcrawlersradio.com. Give us your thoughts. We want to hear them, and we want we'll, we'll even throw maybe a few of your comments on the show and talk about them. So. Oh snap! Yes, which will be awesome. So uh, with that said, we're out of here, and we'll catch you next time. Game Suck time. It. Suck it, nerds. Hey guys, now that the holidays are here, and with Jared and Jessica on Baby Watch 2016, and Daniel out with jaw surgery, the Dungeon Crawlers team will be pushing back to one show a week until the beginning of the new year. I'm sure if Daniel was here, he'd be sure to say, And remember to follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Thanks guys, and happy holidays, whatever that may be.